Praise the Lord. Well, it's a privilege to be able to preach the word this morning and share with you. We've been doing a series on what we believe. And I just, after Mark preached a few weeks ago about the angels, that was a terrific message. And he said how evil angels and the good angels are all around us. There's millions and millions of them. Thank God there's more of the good ones than the bad ones. But they are the influences that, particularly the evil ones, that put the evil stuff in our minds, the thoughts that we get, the impressions and so on. And we have to resist those forces. And uh, when I heard him speak that message, I thought, well, I'd like to move in on that theme because we need to know how to win the victory in our minds. We need to know how to win the victory in the atmosphere around us. And uh, it just doesn't happen. Things happen because certain principles are put in place. Certain people observe scripture. Certain people keep their mind on God. There's all, re- there's all kinds of reasons why we either succeed or we fail. Well, this mes- the message this morning is on the theme of renewing of the mind. Renewing of the mind. If there are spiritual forces that are evil and good around us, it's very important what we have our, as our focus in our minds. I've subtitled it mind management. I thought, well, that, that's a more modern term. Renewing of the mind. I don't know if people in the world would understand what renewing of the mind was. But we need to understand that we have to learn to manage our minds. God can save us. Jesus can save us, shed his blood for us. But we have to learn to keep our minds stayed on God. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So thank God that we have the capacity to have mind management, to renew our mind, to get rid of the old stuff out of the mind and bring in the new or maintain the new. Very, very important. Now, before I go on with the message, I have one statement that I want to make. It's coming up on the next slide. It says, The Lord Jesus became partaker of our human nature so that we might become partakers of his divine nature. That's the only statement I'll make regarding the Christmas theme this morning. My aim is not to preach a Christmas message. I think you get plenty of Christmas emphasis by the time you get to Christmas Day. There are carols everywhere. You see messages. People talk about it. You get cards. We really do get a pretty good brainwash of the Christmas message. When you think of it, you think of all the cards you get. Think of the th- songs you sing, the things you hear. And we come to church and we've sung carols this morning. You know the message, don't you? If you don't, please come and see me. See Mark. We're, we're desperate that you know the message. But isn't it wonderful that Jesus... By coming to this earth, he became a partaker of our human nature with the ultimate goal in mind that you and I and the rest of the world could become partakers of divine nature. Do you know a verse for that? It's found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. That we might be partakers of the divine nature. Isn't that wonderful? That we... Human beings who are sinners can participate in the nature of God, divine nature. The Holy Spirit can live in us. We can live and feast on the Word of God. So be encouraged with that. God's got a tremendous agenda for you and me. 
It's going to last into eternity. We're not told in the Bible, as marvellous as the Bible is, there's no agenda in the Bible that tells us exactly what's going to happen in the centuries or the eons to come. But I can guarantee you, it's wonderful. It's going to be glorious. Hallelujah. Well, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the great apostle Paul wrote these words, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, transformed, changed for the better with the heavenly light, with heavenly vision, with heavenly truth, with heavenly revelation, with heaven's presence in our lives. Isn't that glorious? Praise God. By the renewing of our minds that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Lord wants to reveal to us his will. And the, the key to it is if we submit our minds, if we'll let him start to program our minds, manage and we'll manage our minds by reading his word, meditating in his word. You know, there's not going to be success in the Christian life if we don't know the will of God. And the will of God is his word. If we know the word of God, we'll know the will of God. It's so important. And you know what? It seems to me from things I'm picking up that there's a trend in the Christian world. They're getting very light on the heavy word of God. They're not going in depth as they should with the word of God. It's like there's an attitude, well, don't let's get too heavy. We can't get too heavy. And friends, the word of God is heavy truth because it involves your eternal future. Let's not get kidded by the devil. Oh, no, come on, don't let's get, don't let's get too heavy, you know. And we can get this attitude, oh, well, I better not, dress it, better not bring up the subject of salvation. That'll, that'll just really put a, a bit of a dent in the atmosphere. And, you know, the devil wants us to back off. But we have to learn. Truth sometimes is heavy. Truth sometimes has to be born. It has to make its impact. It has to convict. It has to bring us to our knees. It has to bring us to a halt. The devil wants everybody to just be, you know, having a gay time, blind, deaf to what's going on around them and to the message that's trying to prevent them from going on to a Christless eternity. The renewing of the mind is what makes the difference. If you've been told something, but if you don't let that dwell in your mind and take a rest, arrest it into your mind, then it's as if you never got told it. We read the Word of God. How much do we retain after we read it? How much do we remember? How much do we try and act out, obey? It's all very important. I'll just have a sip of water. The mouth's very dry. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, we read, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, you think of that statement. That is a tremendous statement. 
This is saying that if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. A new creation. You're not just the same human being. There's been tremendous change take place. You're in the family of God now. Your name's on the roll in heaven. The word of God is now to be your food. You're to live on the living water, spiritual life, Holy Spirit power. So you're a new creation and old things have passed away. You don't live like you used to. You don't live on the same things. You've got a new diet. You've got a new heavenly father. You've got a new family. Praise God. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. All things. My, we better catch up. We better read the book and find out the good news. Find out what's on the menu. Find out what's on the, uh, you know, what, what's coming up. What's God got planned? What does he want us to know? I remember when I was a new Christian, as I started to hear and read preaching and reading the word of God, reading good books, as different scriptures would start to strike me. I remember when I got struck with Romans 8.31. And uh, that says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Well, as a young Christian, that fired me up. Glory to God, if God's for me, who can be against me? I, I'm a winner, I'm a victor. And you know, then I came across 8.37, Romans 8.37. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. And then I came across 1 John 4.4. 4. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. These, those scriptures fired me up. They gave me a victory mentality. But if I hadn't taken notice of them, hadn't meditated on them, hadn't gone over them, I would have been getting around possibly glum, thinking, well, what's in this Christian life? You see, it's what you meditate on. It's what you take notice of. It's what you feed on. Makes a difference. And if you have become a new creation in Christ Jesus, but you don't check the word of God out about it, then what do I say here on the notes? We now face an identity crisis with our own mind. Something's happened to us, but we don't know what. You might feel some joy and you're glad you're going to church and you've got a Bible, but you know the success of your Christian walk is going to be as to how much you read that word, how much you study it, how much you feed on it like food, good food, because that's what it is. And I, and I like what the psalmist says. He said, I find your, your word, he said, better than gold, fine gold. He said, it's sweeter to me than the honeycomb. Yeah, you know, aren't these guys getting a bit fanatical here? Fancy talking about the Bible as being honey and, and gold. But you see, that's what it meant to them. Precious, tasty. And friends, if it's not being that to you, then it's time you got stuck into it. Time you got took some time out until it starts to waft over you, until it starts to get into your being. And that's what I'm out to help foster this morning. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. I thank God for all the early Christians around me who loved the Word of God, loved Bible studies and going to church and the, and the young men would have their Bibles with them. They always had a Bible. We always had a Bible, carrying a Bible to church. Everyone had a Bible. Today, you've got to look for them. You know, we, we, we take things for granted. But friends, the, the, the reality and the depth and the quality of your Christianity is going to all depend on what knowledge you have of this book in you. Amen. 
Jesus said, let my words abide in you. If my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will. Wonderful scriptures. So if we don't know what the word of God says about us, we'll have a, a kind of an identity crisis. We won't know who we are. And we won't know our, our potential, what we could do. I mean, you think of it, the word of God says, ask anything in my name and I shall do it. You know, well, you could be a non-praying Christian if you don't know that verse. You can have power in prayer. You can, you can move the throne of God. You can change things. You can help souls be saved by prayer. So we don't want you to have a crisis in your mind. We want you to have a good mind management, feeding it, supporting it by the best article thing possible, the precious word of God. 1,500 years, 40 different authors inspired by the Holy Ghost. One great theme, but plenty of food for everybody. Bless God. So how are we going to learn who we are in Christ if we don't read the Word of God? Don't hear sermons on it every month, do you? Uh, how are you going to know your position in Christ? You don't hear a sermon along that line every very often. So you see, there's going to be things you will catch up on if you read the word. If you wait for a sermon to be preached about that subject, you, you could wait a long time and you're going to be deprived. The pastor can't preach everything. The, the, the preaching team can't preach everything. As much as we preach, if we preached every day, every week for the year, still so more to be done, so more to be said. So I trust you're firing up with a good appetite for the word of God. Find out what is your role in the body of Christ. If you're only a young Christian, well, that, that will come. But, but be, be prepared. Learn to pray. Learn the word of God. Learn to be faithful in attending meetings. Get into every Bible study and church meeting you can. Now, there's one thing you've got to watch out for, and that is because of your past life in sin and the way the devil knocked you around and the negativity you had and the depression, condemnation, you have to be aware of the, the brain's remembrance bank of failure. When you start to rise, the devil will be out to bring up failure. Oh, what are you doing that? What are you doing that? You, you can't do that. Look what happened way back there. And he'll try and bring it up. And you're either going to believe the word of God and what God says about you and what you can do, or you're going to believe the devil, believe the demons. Believe negative voices, even your own negative voice. Oh, you know, you tried something like that when you were, you were in your teens and you made a big fool of yourself. And it'll tend to flop you down, knock you over. You have to have a good foundation on why you can do things. And if you've got the Word of God as your foundation, you've got a good solid foundation. Hallelujah. In fact, the Apostle Paul writing to the Christians in Corinth, he said, we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that a wonderful thing? To be able to say, I have the mind of Christ. I'm so conscious of God's will and what he wants for my life. I know what he wants of me, so I have the mind of Christ. I don't believe it's just a statement to make, but we are to start thinking like Christ, full of love, full of grace, full of mercy, full of wanting to help. Amen? full of wanting to witness and share the truth with others. Have the mind of Christ. I don't think anything any of us should be satisfied when we think of that statement. 
Hey, would any of us dare to claim 100% I've got the mind of Christ? But we're working towards it. Amen? Praise God. Now, I thought it was unique this week. Hands up those of you who get the word for today from United Christian Broadcasters and Vision FM. Okay, quite a few hands. I trust you noticed this week from Tuesday to Friday, there were four days that were dealing with mind management or mind managers. And I just thought that was so unique because I knew what I was going to preach on. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, God's talking to us. God's talking to the area. God's talking to Australia because it's an Australia-wide magazine sent out by that wonderful Vision Ministry, Vision FM, that's covering the nation. And uh, what? how many, 600 radio stations they support? I mean, it's fantastic, the work they're doing. And backing it up, not just by putting something over the air, but putting, putting it in print in people's hands so they can get a daily feed every day, plus other scriptures. So I thought, well, there's got to be something here. Well, do you know what, friends? If we are one thing as a Christian, we are mind managers. Amen? We are mind managers. For, for instance, you've got to manage your own. Sometimes people want to mind someone else's, but you know the number one thing is we've got to manage our own mind. And you know what? There's a lot of managing to do. Living in this wicked world, you know, wherever you look, there's stuff that hits your eyes. You, you, you wish I didn't see that. You see, you've got to screen stuff out, change your mind, change your thinking. Stuff comes over TV or over the radio or FM or whatever, and it can hit you so quickly. And if you're not a mind manager, you'll find yourself listening to something and think, dear me, Oh boy, I hit the button, you know, because it's so subtle. It can happen so easily. Let me read to you what was on Tuesdays, uh, Thursdays reading. It says, we are, for we are God's handiwork, Ephesians 2.10. Your mind is the doorway to your heart. And when a questionable thought arises, you always have a choice. You can throw the door open and let it in or do what the Bible says. Fight to capture every thought until it acknowledges the authority of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, that's Philip's translation. Fight to capture every thought until it acknowledges the authority of Christ. In other words, face up anything that's not good, that's evil, that's devilish, that you don't want in your life. Capture it. Put the bullet, uh, not the bullet, put the pistol in the back of it and say, now, stick up. Stick up. What are you doing here? Get out. Don't want you here. You're not going to live with me. Out. Amen. Let's say a thought regarding your self-worth arises and says, you've been a loser all your life. You have failed in relationships and jobs and ambitions. You might as well write loser on your CV, for that's what you are. Please don't believe that. Don't take it in, folk. The average person would say to that thought, you're right, come on in. But you're not the average person. You're the new creation person. Hallelujah. You're a new creation in Christ, led by his spirit. So rather than let the thought in, take it captive. Put the pistol in its back. Stick them up. Get out of here. You don't belong in my brain. You don't belong in my home. You don't belong in my marriage. So rather than let the thought in, take it captive, present it to the Lord and say, Jesus... This thought says I'm a loser and I'll never amount to anything. What do you think? See what you're doing? You're submitting that thought to the authority of Jesus. 
If he agrees with it, then let it in. If not, kick it to the curb. Kick it to the curb with the best kick you can. How do you know if he agrees or disagrees? Here we come to the big secret. How do you know if Jesus agrees with thoughts and ideas or not? Open your Bible and find out what God says about you. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, Ephesians 2.10. So if we're trying to be programmed to negativity and you're a failure and all that sort of thing, that's not what God's ordained us to. He's ordained us to do good works. What about this one? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1 Any thought that doesn't line up with God's word doesn't pass the test and doesn't gain entrance. That's how you manage your mind. Manage your mind. You've got to become, I've got to become better manager of my thoughts, the ideas that come into my mind. I was thinking about an illustration. Uh, I've had on my mind the word um, meditation. I think when you think of what we're preaching about and talking about, meditation is a pretty good word to keep in mind. And I thought, how can I illustrate that? And I thought of what we do with dirty clothes. When they're dirty, we soak them. We soak them. We put them into a bucket or a tub or put them in the washing machine and sometimes they're so bad you, you've got to do a pre-wash. But it's a matter of a soaking and getting the water into that dirt that's in the clothes and loosening it. Loosening it. And sometimes just soaking in water does a lot of good because they've got a lot of additives these days that can really help move it fast. But isn't that good that we've got something that will help move the dirt? I've got something good for your mind and my mind and my life and your life. The word, soak. See, it's not just a quick glimpse. It's not just one scripture. It's soaking. And I believe the world, to a large extent, is, is losing a lot of that quiet, deep meditation. The world is so busy. The devil's got so many attractions. There's always something to, to listen to, somewhere to go, and, and noise. All kinds of music to suit your taste or not your taste. And it's to keep you distracted. Why does he do that? Because he doesn't want you to settle down, get quiet, and have a good soak in God's word so you can shift some of the stuff that's been there for a long time. See, we're born with lies around us. Uh, we, we've read stuff. We've watched stuff. My, haven't we watched stuff? The generation of video, the generation of TV. We have seen millions of pictures. And, and do you know what? They all go in. I haven't seen them shooting out the back of people's heads. It sort of goes in there. Where does it go? What does it make? Everything that you, you receive into your head goes to build thoughts. And I've been reading a very good book, Switch On Your Brain, and it's telling me a lot of good things. Anyone read it? Anyone seen it advertised? You mustn't get the Curon catalogue. It's been there quite a long time. And I saw it a few times and I thought, I think I'm going to get that book, and I'm so glad I did. I'll share some of the things a little bit later. 
we get distracted by the enemy's forces and things and people and programs and agendas to keep us from getting to the real thing. And Christians, sometimes we're no different to how easily the devil can distract us. I mean, when did you take a good slab of time and just get in a corner, nestle up on the lounge or kneel at your bedside with your Bible and just pour over the Word of God and go over it and let it get into you, get into you, get into you. You quoted it. You stated it. You see, do you do that? Think of it. What, what, a, what good it is for you, your beautiful brain, to quote the Word of God, to see it, hear you saying it, reading it, delving into it. You see, if you don't do it, you don't realize the value of it. God wants us to read the Word. In Psalm 1, the psalmist said, Blessed is the man who meditates in the Word of God day and night. Is that the word he used? Meditates? Meditate. He meditates in it day and night. He will be like a tree planted by a river of water and his leaf will not wither. Whatever he does will prosper. Isn't that great to know? So you see, if you never take time to just let the word of God soak in your mind and just meditate, let it flow through you, changing your opinion. You see, you've got some stubborn ideas in your head. You've got some things the flesh really loves. He's not going to let it go easy. She's not going to let it go easy. And you've got to budget out, drive it out, kick it out. Get so fired up with what the Word of God says, you say, in the name of Jesus, you're not reigning over me anymore. You've got to go. Hallelujah. So we're going to loosen the dirt. We're going to get rid of the, the dirt in our clothes, in our minds, by that soaking process. And meditation is one of the ways. Good, deep meditation. All right, we're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 now. This is from the Amplified Bible. For though we walk or live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical. Notice this scripture is talking about us being in warfare. I thought this was the nice Christian life. We're on our way to heaven. We're saved. This says we're in warfare. Ephesians 6 talks about the armor we've got to have and the weapons we've got to have. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical, weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Strongholds. They're not weak holds. They're strongholds. So they've got to get budged. They've got to be moved. Effort. Power of the name of Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit. Power of praise. Power of speaking in tongues. Power of Christian fellowship. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. See, this is militant language. We've got to get that, that rogue thought, that lie, and we've got to arrest it like a captive and lead it away. You're not going to reign my life. You're not going to be in my family. You're not going to wreck my marriage. You're not going to stunt me as a Christian. I'm going to grow. Hallelujah. 
mind management. You see, it's all part of mind management. Letting the word of God prevail. Now, in Mark chapter uh, chapter 7, Jesus quoted words which I'm going to use because it helps to exemplify and tell us how powerful thoughts can be. And Jesus said, What comes out of a man that defiles a man? For what from within, out of the heart of men, that's the heart is the deepest thought area, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders. You know, for people to do those sort of things, they've got to take some time out to meditate about it, to think about it, to dream about it, to plan it. Murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride. Oh, dear. Pride. Ah, that's not evil. Pride. No, you've got to be proud of yourself. Ah. So there's got to be some sorting out here, doesn't there? What's the good pride and what's bad pride? But pride, you see, that's where a man starts to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, or a woman. And so it's subtle. And what does that lead to? If I start to think I'm better than all of you, then I'll start to conduct myself in a haughty manner and start bossing it all over you and think I'm somebody and you deserve to be told what to do by me and so on. Pride. Foolishness. All these evil things. This is Jesus talking. He gave the insight here. He put the microscope, what's in the heart, what's in the mind. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Well, do you know what happens when you think about something and it's in your mind? If, if it stays there, it's going to come out. Because if it's in your mind, it'll end, be in your thoughts. And what's in your thoughts triggers what comes out of your mouth. So if you change the source for thinking, you will get a better result if you change it from being evil stuff to good stuff. You'll find you'll get good thoughts instead of evil thoughts. You know what? If, if you keep watching the stuff of the world and listening to all the world, all they, all they have to say and bad conversation and foul language, I mean, you, you have that tickling around your mind. It's because you're exposed to it. But when you can shut yourself up from that stuff and saturate your mind with good Christian music, with meditation in the Word of God, quoting the Word of God, reading the Word of God. One of the greatest exercises you and I can do as a Christian, just read the Word, get the Bible, walk up and down your room, bedroom, read the Word. Get into a field somewhere, read the Word. Let your ears hear the good Word of God. Praise the Lord. There's nothing defiling about the Word of God. And so as we fill our mind with good things, then it'll start to come out of our mouth. Make the Christian life a lot easier. Hmm. Just be careful, Christians, with your words. The Bible says in the epistles, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. And now I'm, what am I now, 75. I've been in Christian circles all my life because I was raised in a Pentecostal home. And uh, we were taught not to swear or use long, strong language in my household as a boy, so I got well trained. So words hit me more than some people. 
But it's obvious, it is very obvious to me, a lot of Christians are being exposed to low levels of bad language. And you know what? It's something you've got to become a mind manager on. I'm not going to tolerate that. It's not going to be in my household. Okay? Take the word of advice. Learn to sanctify. Learn to change. Learn to grow more holy. That's a long time. That's a full-time task we've got. Jesus said, uh, Peter said, be ye holy for God in heaven. He is holy. We've got to be holy because he's holy. We're his offspring. We're not to manifest bad language, foul language, coarse language, questionable language. If it's questionable, dump it. Don't let's have a double message. Okay, enough said. If we have stuff in our mind, it will learn to come out of our mouth. And if it comes out of our mouth, it's going to do one of two things. It'll either defile, Jesus said it'll defile, or what's the opposite to defile? Purify. So what we think, what we say is going to have an influence to either defile, make dirty, or it's going to sanctify and make clean and holy, purify. What do you prefer? Amen? What do you prefer? What do you want rolling around in your head? What do you want in your imaginations? It's what you determine to manage your mind, put in the good. Hallelujah. Feed or starve the bad stuff. No, starve the bad stuff, I should say, and feed the good. All right, we're going to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This I, Paul, say and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility or the vanity. And that means emptiness and pride of their mind. The Gentiles, that's how they live. That's what you get on their television production and their stories and their thrillers and all sorts of things. It's got all that stuff in it that a lot of us don't need. We don't need it. You, the, the devil tells you you need it. The world tells you you need it. Your flesh cries for it, but you've got to cut it off. You don't need it. It's not going to help you be holy. It's not going to fill you with the Spirit. It's not going to give you the truth. Much, much of the stuff of the world doesn't have a lot of truth in it. Well, why do you want to expose yourself to untruth, lies? God help us to feed ourselves on a good diet. Amen. An angel would love serving you because you just got such a good diet. You got such a, you know, you got such good taste. Hallelujah. So there's emptiness and pride comes out of their minds. The minds have been fed the wrong thing, so that's what they produce. And then Paul says, having their understanding darkened. Oh, this is not good, okay. It's darkened. It doesn't give light, it gives darkness. And it also cuts off, being alienated or cut off outside of the life of God. That's what we were like before we met God, unless we were raised in Christian homes. Thank God for Christian homes. The ignorance that is in them. People don't understand, you see. They haven't got the inside information that you've got through the Word of God. They don't realize that we live by principles. We've just picked them up by reading the Word of God. We pick up principles and we realize that rubbish in, rubbish out. So I don't want rubbish out, so no rubbish in. That's a principle, a spiritual principle. But the world doesn't understand that a lot of them. 
bad language, going to bad places, watching bad things, taking drugs, getting drunk, everything else that just opens the mind to one big blur. And they wonder why they have hangovers. Wonder why they do the wrong thing. Wonder why they make wrong decisions. You see, their minds are a scramble, friends. The world's minds, to many, to many extent, are, are scrambled. That's why you and I need to take time to meditate in the Word of God. To take time to soak. And it says they've got this ignorance in them because of the hardening of their hearts. You see, they don't want to be told the truth. They don't want to get into good spiritual circles. They don't want to come under the influence of God. They don't realise it. If you don't choose God, you choose the opposite. If you don't choose heaven, you choose the opposite. Ain't that serious? Some people don't realise the implications of their decisions. And their ignorance is going to destroy them. Thank God that you came to hear the truth and you believe the truth and it saved you and delivered you from hell. Hallelujah. Put your feet on the straight road that leads to life eternal instead of the broad road that leads to destruction. And it says because of that hardening of their heart, their past feeling, they, they don't get that inner conviction. They're not sensitive down there. It's just dead. And so their, their conscience is not quick, quickened and alive and sensitive. Praise God when you're a Christian and you're reading the word of God and you're praising the Lord and you're, doing, you're, you're saying your prayers and you're keeping in touch with the Lord. You're sensitive. You're sensitive. You're soft. You pick it up. You hear what the Holy Spirit wants you to do or not to do. That's good, isn't it? But people, because they've got past feeling, their conscience hardly pricks them, they've given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Thank God, Paul says, but you have not so learned Christ. When you come to Jesus, when you come to the Lord, you start to hear good, pure truth, good, wholesome things. Hallelujah. You turn away from the wickedness of the world. And he says, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. The truth's in Jesus, friends. The devil's just a liar. Jesus, in fact, said he's the father of lies. He was a liar from the beginning. He's a murderer. So if people want to follow the devil, that's what you're going to get. That's what they're getting in the world. Thank God for a different diet. Thank God for something better to listen to, better to watch, better to fellowship with. And then we move to verse 22 that says that you put off. So here's the man, mind management. Mind management, renewing your mind. You've got to take things and move them out. Put them off. Don't allow them to dwell around. If you don't write, write, like reading bad books, well, don't leave the bad book around. Kick it out. Burn it. Throw it in the bin. If you've got that video there that you're tempted to have a look at, get rid of it. Don't be bound by temptation and suggestion from the powers of darkness. Kick it out. Do some managing. What do you think you're in charge for? Hey, Jesus has put you in charge of your mind under his tutelage under the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that you have to make decisions. Praise God. So you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, the things we may have done. There's some of you may be recent converts and you're still in the, point of, in the, the process of changing. And, and you know you've got a few things in the cupboard. You've just been so used to doing them. They're just habitual 
and and but but every now and again you get a bit of a thought. Gee, I, I don't know if I should be reading that. I don't think I should be watching that. Dear me, if Jesus was sitting next to me, I, I think he'd move out or he'd clip me over the ear. <laughs> you know, we've got to learn to start taking responsibility for what we think. Can't blame anybody else. Praise God. God bless you, folk. Some of this might be a bit heavy, but it's doing you good. Hallelujah. It's a dose of salts. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's, it's the fire that burns up the dross and the rubbish. Praise the Lord. Amen. And it says in, uh, in this verse that the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. You know, so many people are changing desires and lusts, but they're, they're leading them on a merry-go-round. They're leading them to destruction. The sooner they wake up, the better. Glad you've woken up. Praise God. Glad you've woken up. You found the Lord. You found the source of holiness and truth. You've got access to the word of God. Bless the Lord. Then it says, verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So you know, we're back to square one. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put off the old. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on. That you put on, verse 24, the new man. The new man which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. What, is it, what was our verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17? If any man or woman be in Christ, they're a new creation. A new creation. You've got the new man. And now you've got to put him on. Do you know what? If you don't read the word of God, you don't pray, you don't go to church, you don't have Christian fellowship, do you know what? After a while, you'll start to drift back to the old thought life. You'll go back to the old habits. You've got to keep feeding the new man. You've got to keep putting it on. If not, you will go back to the old man to become under the old man's suggestions and then there will, be going, there will commence a new corruption in your life. The devil will find some crack. So that you put on the new man which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. One of the thoughts that I came across in this book and it's revolutionary that we can rewire our brain. It's an amazing thing because we were taught in our generations we grew up, you, you, you're just the way you are. You've got your genes and you've got your DNA and that's just the way you're going to stay. Well, I know I'm not going to become a woman. You know, you're not going to become a man, are you, Marie? But there's some things that can change and some things that won't change. Thank God for those that won't change and are good for us. But we need to... Um, what was that word I just got? Rewire. It, it's incredible. I've been reading this book and it's got maps of it, the brain, the parts of the brain, all the detail of the brain, and it's not so heavy and technical you can't read it. But it tell you what, it talks about how we can change our thinking and as we change our thinking, it will affect our brain. Our thinking affects our mind and our mind can change our brain. So you, if you say, I can't change, I'm just too far gone, that's a lie. But if you believe a lie, will you see what will happen? It'll, it'll stop you taking certain action. So today, if you can believe what I'm saying, 
And if you want to back it up by getting the book, it's only $16.99. That's a pittance to get such treasure. But it's revolutionary. It's revolutionary. Let me just share with you. The, she talks about, and it's a big word, don't worry about it, neuroplasticity. That means that your brain is like plastic or like dough or clay. It can be moulded, it can be changed, not quite, but... But it can be changed. But the devil says, no, I'm too far gone. It, 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 it can't change. Well, what are you going to believe? This woman is a Pentecostal, spirit-filled teacher of the word, and she's got the runs on the board, to use an expression. She's got the experience. Three or four children, been around the world, taught in conferences, and that's after she proved it. Let me tell you about one thing she said. I was teaching children in Soweto in South Africa. And she said, I saw them so hungry to learn, so hungry to learn. And they were so bright the way they developed until the governmental authorities took note of the change that had taken place. Do you know what she said about Harvard University in the United States of America? Four out of five, 80% were depressed. Those kids weren't in South Africa. What makes the kids of the West depressed? Because of all the junk we get exposed to, all the stuff we believe, and all the stuff we fill our minds with and we think we've got to know. One thing that has concerned me, because you see it happening everywhere, is the tragic involvement with people using Twitter. And uh, what's this other one? Um, there's Facebook, yeah, that's one of them. And there's also another one, tra not transmitter. It's something to do with sending messages anyhow. But do you know what? Hmm? What was it? What, what? Instagram, that's the one, yes. I, I haven't even seen that one. But everybody's into these things, these networks. And do you know what? It's like they've got to have a Bobsworth there and a Bobsworth there. And do you know what? Their main minds are over, all over the place. And do you know what she describes it as? Me. I hope I could find it. What's the word? There's one word that goes with it. It's called milkshake. Milkshake something. You know, the world is thinking... A lot of people have thought they've become a good expert. You know, we have world problems and we have big events and everyone's got to send in their two bobs worth. And they're not experts. But they've got to have their say. How much depth in it, I don't know. But there ought to be some depth into something we pass on. It ought to be truthful. It ought to be helpful. But it's, it's a practice that's making us scatterbrains. Who, who does deep thinking? Who's coming out of the woodwork to say, we ought to follow Jesus Christ because he's the truth. He's from God. He died for us 2,000 years ago and he's proven to the world by the conduct change in the people who follow him. I mean, it's simple. But who's finding it out? People are so mucking around with all this stuff in the world and, and thinking they're this expert and that expert. But when it's so simple, who has the brains to learn the simple? Something loose here? Okay, we need, <laughs> I don't know what you're saying, it's signing there, Lynn. Anyhow, um, 
I, I, I think you should get the book. Do you know what she says? So-called social media experts tell us that information needs to be provided in bite-sized amounts and in a constant stream of new information <laughs> before the previous information has even been digested. And she says, this is not stimulation, this is bombardment. And you know what? A lot of our kids are getting, they're growing up with bombardment. Bombardment from this angle and that angle. And we give them games that nearly bombard them. And, and when do they get a time for their brain to come, become still and become peaceful and to start recognize truth? Oh, dear friends. So much could be said. She's seen autistic children change. She has seen senior citizens' memories in their 80s change and go out and lead productive lives. Some people who were drug addicts have gone back and got an education from their motivation with these truths and now they're making their lives profitable. Jesus, no, the Word of God says that God has not given unto us the spirit of fear but power, love, and a sound mind. I could say I could share a lot more there. I'd love to, but I just want to share the rest of the scriptures I've got on the scre- on the screen. We're coming to Ephesians six sixteen, talking about mind management, and the apostle Paul writing here says, above all, above all, as a mind manager, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So we have bombardment coming in in all kinds and fashions. And we have to learn to put up the shield of faith. Quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And then we have to take the sword of the Spirit. Well, you've got to know the word to be able to take it and use it effectively and profitably. Do you know the word? Can you look up a scripture? Do you know where to find it to help somebody with a certain problem? You leave that to the preacher. Learn to get to know the word of God. Then it says praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful, watchful, persevering. Takes effort. Now as I draw to a close, because we are mind managers, because we are going to renew our minds, I thought this would be a good verse to use. Mark eleven twenty two, Jesus said, have faith in God. Have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. If you look back in the same chapter, 11, you'll find that that's where Jesus cursed the roots of the fig tree. And the next day as the disciples came past with Jesus, they said, hey, master, look, the fig tree's dying. Well, Jesus knew it would die. He spoke to the roots and that they lost their life and the tree died. And he said to his disciples, have the faith of God. What is he trying to portray to us? He's portraying that we need to learn to speak the word of faith. And I want to say that this is a very good directive with those thoughts that bother you, those things that are in your mind that are like a clinker. They're like a rock. They're like something hard. They're something that's got to be moved out and you don't feel you've got the power to deal with it. Well, I want to tell you, take a hold of the problem. Call it what you think you you can call it and start to get angry about it and drive it out. Be like Jesus. Curse the fig tree. 
You're no good. Get out of my life. I don't want you. Get angry with it. Take action. Don't just tolerate it. Don't just put up with it. You've had it all your life. Well, don't live under self-pity. You've had fear all your life. Well, don't live under fear. Make up your mind. You're going to kick it out. That's why Jesus is saying this, I believe. That's what quickened me this weekend as I looked at it. Have the faith of God to deal with your mountains because what does he say in the next verse? Verse 23, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, sometimes it's not just praying to God. Jesus puts that second. He says, I tell you, say unto your mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. You've got to use your faith. And you know what? You can't use faith if you don't know what the Word of God says. The Word of God will build your faith. And then you'll get so confident. Wow, God says, I can do this. I can change this. I can say, wow, and go to it. Now, it may take a while. Don't, this is where we go wrong. We think it's just going to all happen. No, we've got to be prepared to be patient and deal with the problem. See it through. He said, be removed and be cast into the sea and do not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things he says will come to pass. He will have whatever he says. Now you take, along, you take on that rebuking and commanding and destroying of that thing in your life. But Jesus said in verse 24, after saying what he said about saying to the problem, he said, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, that's talking to God, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So you're praying to God and you're asking for the victory over the problem, but at the same time you are tackling the problem that's in your life with fear, trepidation. What, what else? You've got a problem with lying? Got a problem with biting your fingernails? Problems that bug us and hold us down and we tolerate them. God, Jesus is saying, have a change. Speak to your mountain. Believe. Amen. Do some, do some man, mind managing. Say, you are not going to control me anymore, you thought. Hallelujah. So our unbelief's got to go. Doubt's got to go. Fear's got to go. Hallelujah. And do you know what? You're becoming more like God all the time when you do that. Do you know Why? Because God spoke those things which were not. And they came into being. You've got some problems that are, and you're going to drive them out of existence. Hallelujah! Isn't that marvellous? Glory to God. Are you encouraged? Praise the Lord. All right, I'll, I'll end on that good note. Praise God. <laughs>